And welcome back to Regionally Speaking. I'm Dee Dotson. Indiana University Northwest Chancellor Commission held its most recent meeting Wednesday on campus. The topic was identifying barriers to economic redevelopment, university community collaboration. The meeting examined the state of economic redevelopment through the lens of property turners in the tax sales system. The most recent findings of joint university public research on the topic was presented. Ellen Zoletta, the director of the Center for Urban and Regional Excellence, was the moderator for the event. She was joined by members of the data gathering team, along with two Lake County officials, Commissioner Mike Repay and the commissioner's attorney, Matt Fetch. Here's most of what was presented at the meeting beginning and ending with Professor Zarletta. More than a decade ago, IU Northwest convened the inaugural Chancellor's Commission on Community Engagement. And since that time, twice a year, leaders of public and nonprofit and the private sectors from the Northwest Indiana region have come together with members of the campus community so that we can engage in conversations on issues that are affecting our region. Over the past decade, the community and the university experts together briefed the attendees that came to the commission meetings on the critical work that was being undertaken to address issues such as K-12 education, crime and policing, Indiana civic health, the arts, I could go on and on. Uh, it has been a decade of shared learning and this unique forum actually highlights the expertise that's held by both the community and the university and the power of that collaborative work in bringing about positive change. So briefly our agenda for today is uh, a welcome. We have a 10 to 15 minute very short presentation where you're going to hear from the um, key participants in this project. Uh, that's our graduate student Victoria Travis representing IU Northwest. Commissioner Mike Repay and County Attorney Matt Feck, and then we get to the fun, which is discussion and questions and answers uh, from the audience. Um, so let me just briefly tell you about the issue. Um, we're examining, today we're examining what are called churners or parcels that have gone through the treasurer's tax sales and then the commissioner tax certificate sale without a bid. And you might be saying, oh no, right? That doesn't sound like it's very exciting, right? Uh, and so if you're not familiar with what churners are, you might wonder, so why is it important for us to be looking at these parcels? And specifically, why is it important for the community's economic health? So our panelists today are actually going to be providing you the answer to those questions. And they're going to be sharing insights on why there is actually a need for us to collaborate university and community again to tackle the barriers that these churners are posing for regional economic redevelopment. At this time, I want to introduce you to IU Northwest Chancellor Kanawama, who's going to be sharing his thoughts on collaboration. If I had known that this event would be so popular, we would have charged. <laughs> Lucky you. Lucky you. So I want to thank Ellen Zollard and her team, including our graduate student Victoria Travis, the te data team project lead, and five other data team members working with her on this important project. Our combined campus events and Chancellor's office team for their assistance in putting all this together. 
today's distinguished panelists who we'll meet shortly, and the 20 participating Lake County local government units, and as well as other local government units we represented here today. Thank you for being here, and all the invited guests, thank you for being here as well, too. Again, I'm going to reiterate this, because whenever you have the president of IU here, um, for a meeting such as it is special, and it, it shows the importance that President Whitten places on regional campus. So can we give another hand for, for President Whitten for being here today? <laughs> so I want to recognize uh, Vice President uh, Sushme Jaseki as well, too. Thank you for <laughs> And uh, Chief of Staff uh, for the President, Brenda Silver. Thank you, thank you for being here. <laughs> So, uh, Pam, you know I'm going to say this again about showing up and things like that. You know, she's heard this a couple of times, but yeah, yeah, this is a perfect example. Uh, you know, President Whitten has visited our campus numerous times, and she's been on record saying, and quote, when you come to Northwest Indiana, people show up, right? And boy, did we show up today, uh, both in terms of everything. So thank you for being here. Uh, and, you know, your showing up also reflects the care about our communities, which on this Wednesday morning is incredibly inspiring. So thank you for that. Uh, as uh, Ellen just kind of summarized, we're here to participate in the critical discussion about our eight-part study of more than the 9,000 tax sale properties in Lake County, which continually churned the tax sale process without any bids, negatively impacting uh, property tax revenue, economic planning and development and other areas that would otherwise be empowering our communities. Uh, I think it's uh, important to mention at this time, though, um, and I hope I'm not going to steal some of your thunder, uh, President Whitten, about IU 2030. The, the, President Whitten just announced the new strategic planning framework for all, all of IU. So it's a very exciting time that will guide us into the third century. Uh, IU 230 will be measured by impact in three vital areas. And I, I want to talk about it because there's direct applicability here today. Student success and opportunity, transformative research and creativity, and service to the state, nation, and beyond. So those are the three buckets. Um, the collaborative study with the Lake County Commissioners is a perfect example of how IU Northwest can weave, has weaved, and will continue to weave, even with greater energy, these priorities together in a way that is a trademark it is unique to our regional campuses how we do this. Uh, simply stated, our students are directly engaged with our faculty in transformative research and creativity that directly serve our communities, in this case, Lake County. Uh, but this project and its findings and recommendations that Ellen mentioned have widespread applicability to address similar issues across the region and even the state. And so that's why I'm so happy that uh, our, our representatives are here, but all of you are here as well, too. And I think the gravitas of this project is reflected in the level and number of people here today as well, too. That is the power of what we do at IU Northwest, spanning multiple academic disciplines. We could have a Chancellor's Commission. We have in so many different areas of our academic affairs. It's, it's in so much of our faculty in every discipline has this energy and power. Uh, and from the first day I arrived, um, and for those who have heard me say this and maybe are sick of hearing me say this, I had made the commitment on behalf of the students, faculty, and staff to extend this power to benefit our communities, right? Again, the commitment to extend this power to benefit our communities. With the IU2 uh, 2030 framework implemented by our campus strategic planning, this will be a commitment and promise fulfilled, all right? Promise fulfilled, and I'll make that commitment to all of you and there's a recording here by, I think, the Lakeshore Radio, so they have me on tape now saying that as well. So, so <laughs> and, and with that being said, I better get up before I say something I don't want to record on. So thank you for all being here, and I look forward to the discussion. I would now like to bring up President Whitten to say a few remarks as well, too. Thank you.
Well, thank you so much. I'll be very brief. I know we actually have um, important intellectual things to hear uh, coming up in a, in a few minutes. Um, the chancellor is correct. Uh, I've you know visited this campus in this region of Indiana multiple times. I've lived in the state for about uh, 14 months now uh, at this point, and I always, always uh, enjoy the chance to come up here. I have such a truly a fond uh, space in my heart because you guys really do show up for everything. And that, uh, to me, inspires such confidence in the future of this region of Indiana. Um, you are deeply committed, you care deeply, um, and, it's, uh, and it's more than just rhetoric. And I see that every time I'm here to visit, and so, and so thank you for that. Because as a chancellor, I just said, I want you to understand how committed we are uh, at, at IU. And so many of you are graduates of IU. Who's really educated and has an IU degree in this room? Well-educated, I should say. Very good. A lot of us, very good. Um, and, and, um, and, and somebody back there said, I have two degrees from IU. Very good. Very, no, you don't have five degrees. I don't, I don't, I, there you go, better. But we are big and complicated, right? We are all over the state. We have 90,000 students currently enrolled at Indiana University. We're one of the biggest universities in the country, right? And, and we have a significant footprint around the state. And so we do recognize that we have a common vision that we want to accomplish at our university. And as, as the Chancellor just pointed out, um, we think it's pretty simple. There's three pillars. It is, of course, always students first. And I want to recognize um, Tatiana. I, I really, I want you to stand up. You recognize your student. And um, I was sitting at, Nick, at lunch next to, remind me of your first name? Bilal. Bilal, would you pl please stand up and be recognized? And I know we have a student that I briefly met. Please stand up, Bailey, as well. And I mean this with the greatest respect to all of us. They're the most important people in the room today, uh, frankly, as we know. Um, so commitment to student success is our first pillar. Uh, research discovery is our second pillar, right? Discovering and finding things that change people's lives or impact people's lives in the communities in which they live. And I think this is a great example of scholarship um, that has such import uh, for this region. And, and congratulate you and our students that, that, and others that have done this work. You're, oh, well, Victoria, you're going to hear from Victoria in a few minutes. I'm not even going to say anything about it, Victoria. Oh, Victoria's going to stand up. So. <laughs> Victoria's a graduate student who you'll hear from in a, in a little bit, and um, when she speaks, you're going to agree with me that we just wish she had some passion about the subject, right? <laughs> um, and you, and you, you'll, you'll hear that further. So, so students' research, and then um, our third pillar, which is something we really, really are dedicated to being more intentional about as an institution, and, and that's our recognition as the state's flagship institution, our responsibility to elevate the quality of life for people who live throughout the state of Indiana. And of course, that means economic development, it means cultural aspects and issues, it means health status, it means a lot of things, but we're taking that very seriously. And so if you're interested in the framework, it's, it's not like a regular old university strategic plan that's hundreds of pages that just makes everybody happy. Um, the framework, if you will, hopefully will make everybody happy, uh, but it's very simple and it's very metric driven in terms of what we expect to do and the impacts that we expect to have in those three areas. And uh, what's also important to recognize is that we provide a framework and then we empower each of our campuses to come up with a tailored strategic plan for their campus to achieve that framework. So we have a common vision for the university, but we recognize um, that Northwest Indiana is special and there are special um, 
needs and ideas and goals and values that come with this very important part of, of Indiana University as well. So your chancellor has six months to work with all of you uh, to get that strategic plan tailored specifically for, for this campus and the region of the state as well. And I, I look forward um, to seeing that as well. So again, let me congratulate you um, for just living in such a cool place, you know, frankly as well. And thank you for the hospitality that you show every time I come. And so I will say um, thank you one last time and just let you know before you know it, I'll be up here again. Anyway, so <laughs> thank you all. As our um, panelists are going to be coming up to the front table, I'm going to give you just a really brief uh, background on this project, really quick snippets. Many of you are from the region and lived here your entire lives, so some of this is not going to seem uh, new to you, but just to summarize, you know, how did we get here? Like, How did we get to the point where we have to take a look at these churners? So over the past 50 years, the region really has gone through some transformational change. Um, perhaps we could identify three major factors. One would be globalization, of course, the change in the steel industry, uh, the loss of jobs in the region. Um, the second would be population movements due to suburban sprawl and a number of other factors. People were moving from the north of the county down to the south of the county. And then lastly, aging housing, uh, residential and commercial uh, buildings also could be said to contribute to the issue that we now face, which you're going to learn a lot more about really quickly here, um, called the churners. So up until one year ago, there was no comprehensive data set, no comprehensive data set that could be used to answer any of these questions about the tax delinquent parcels, including where they're located, what are their property characteristics, why do they keep moving through the system, but because the Lake County Commissioners, Lake County Government, our, our strong partners in the Assessor's Office and, and others decided to collaborate and work with us today, this data set now exists and we're able to be before you today to talk about this issue. So I'm going to hand this off to Victoria, who's going to tell you a little bit more about the data. Without him, we wouldn't have gotten this data. So 
So for the very first time, because of his relationship with the Lake County Commissioners, we were afforded data that never before we were able to get to. So how this started was myself and my incredible team. Raise your hand, guys. <laughs> we worked on this data countless and countless hours. Boy, I'm going to tell you, it was hard work. It was. We spent hours and hours extracting data from thousands and thousands of paper deeds. Listen, guys, paper deeds. And we had to put them into Excel spreadsheets. So there was the data input, formatting, cleaning, analysis, sorting and filtering, then percentage tables by government locality, John wanted, and then by uh, property type. Oh, my God, it was just... Has anybody ever worked with an economist before? <laughs> Seriously. Because after that, it was the dreaded demand curves. I want a demand curve for this. I want a demand curve for that. They, I'm telling them, they don't care. But it, that information is very important because they needed it for the reports. How cool is it that I learned about demand curves before I even took graduate level economy, <laughs> economics, right? How cool is it? Because I got there and I knew a little bit, but it's still hard. So I'm in it now. <laughs> and I need that class to graduate, so pray for me. <laughs> um, essentially, we use the data and apply research to provide measured proof and facts. And you cannot argue with the facts. We discovered 9,231 tax delinquent parcels that remained unsold and appeared in the commissioner's tax sale multiple times. This was huge. It was huge because we were able to identify and locate where the parcels were. We used this applied research to develop a master plan to help the 20 units of government examine ways the data could assist decision making in areas of their economic development. It all started with the data that came from the multiple commissioners tax sales. So what I'm going to do is let the expert tell you on this matter, the ever popular, hardworking Lake County Commissioner, take it over. <laughs> With us today is Commissioner Mike Repay. So, thank you. So, uh, yeah, I don't know how do how do you follow that level of enthusiasm? <laughs> only, only to say I'd like her to introduce me more often. You know, but uh, no, it, it it really it, it this this problem uh, churners as it, as it's been referred to. I think that was a John Dahl. Uh, John Dullism, which we appreciate, but but the property that sits and 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 it relates to and it relates to I don't really have a slide. Right, so, give us that clicker because you know, we've you need that we two slides down. Okay. All right, go ahead, click away. Uh, okay. So this was your oh, introduction. Oh, okay, oh, they, oh, you know. <laughs> um, and then and then there we think. Aha! Uh -huh, very good. Okay, that that'll keep me uh, that'll keep me on on topic. So. Um, <laughs> Basically, what it what it boils down to is is a a problem that a lot of us understood to be a problem um, over the years, really uh, decades of of it, it percolating into a into an issue, and then small groups of individual investors uh, or uh, uh, opportunists would get in and get involved in the tax sale and take advantage of take advantage really of, of county taxpayers and maybe some ignorance on our part, uh, ignorance on the government's part on what, what we had and why we had it. Um, if you think about it, and I, and I talk, uh, especially when I'm talking to people outside of the region, um, you, you have to think about the way Lake County grew up, so to speak, as opposed to the rest of the, uh, the, rest of the, uh, 
uh, state of Indiana. You know, um, whether it's Monroe County, Bloomington, or uh, Tippecanoe County, where that other school is located, they're they're different. They're different. Uh, it's a different dynamic. Lake County grew up into in a couple different centers and a heck of a lot of railroads and a lot of uh, interspersed uh, municipalities. Twenty of them, uh, second only, I think, to Hamilton County. And all that stuff leads us to some of the strangeness that we uh, have to face in our tax sale issues. These narrow uh, railroad right-of-ways who somebody maybe as old as John Dahl could explain why the railroads used to do that. Uh, and, and, and these triangular pieces and, and pieces that, that you know, would come up on the sale and, and, and because of a common address, somebody would say, well, I'm buying that property on Main Street. Like, no, you're really not buying a property on Main Street. It just has a common address on Main Street. It's really the ditch that's behind, you know, it's landlocked and everything else. And that's what's causing our problem. But although we knew it anecdotally, we some of us, um, to have it in a, in a data set that, that um, uh, Victoria pointed out, like something recognizable, something to be able to, to chew on and to, and to, and to address, is is uh, something that we weren't capable of doing, quite honestly, and uh, um, not that we didn't want to. I think all of us did at some point in time, but um, the, the the reward uh, didn't didn't match the, uh, the the amount of work that was uh, uh, you know needed to get it done. So we're very thankful for um, Cure and for IUN for their participation in this to help us just get just peel back the onion, peel back the layers of the onion to determine what it what we have and how could we best deploy our resources now to make that into something that's going to be, you know, drive or, or at least not anchor economic development. I mean, the idea that it's, it's going to be, a, you know, we're just going to open up the doors and everything's going to, uh, going to be great is probably a little uh, optimistic, but, but it's certainly an anchor in a lot of communities. These, these parcels that are underperforming uh, and, and quite possibly hindering the whole of the of the uh, uh, county and, and certainly all the municipalities are in there. So with that, oh, my favorite little friend there. Uh, I will turn it over to my my friend, Mr. Matt Fetch. Right? Or are we going back to you, Victoria? It's supposed to be music, can't you? Oh, play. <laughs> yeah, oh, see, I actually put that in here. <laughs> you know what? This slide was mine, and I worked on this. This slide was this slide was my idea, and I worked on this last night. I don't know why the the music didn't work. Technical problem over there. That's not helping. <laughs> okay, okay. So I see this whole table for me. Okay, you guys are awesome for singing it for me. Start again, because they knew you got there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. So we know the people. We know a lot of people remember that. Okay. I, from a student perspective, I learned so much. I learned so much about zoning and mapping, GIS from the surveyor's office. I learned so much. But did you guys know that the property ID, each set of numbers mean something? Yeah. Oh, you did? Okay, well, now I do too. <laughs> I do too. It's been so excited. This, we met and collaborated with partners and with state legislators. Then I had an opportunity to meet with an Indiana a state senator and house representative. How exciting was this for me to be on this project from the beginning and be team lead. I am, I'm stoked, okay? And it's supposed to say, I'm just a bill and I'm sitting here on top of the hill because guess what? We're making history. So I'm gonna let the adorable, the smart, 
helpful <laughs> Lake County attorney tell you more about how we changing uh, statutes and legislation and how our ideas was introduced into Congress. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to have to hire her as well. Uh, <laughs> uh, my name is Matt Fetch. I am uh, the county attorney or attorney to Lake County Board of Commissioners. I succeeded John Dahl, uh, who is here and, and really deserves a lot of uh, the credit for the work. Since uh, I took over about four years ago, uh, John has worked very closely uh, with me. Um, and with some of the attorneys who, who handle tax sales uh, on a regular basis, Bob uh, Golding is here. Uh, he's one of the attorneys here in Lake County who uh, is involved in every tax sale. And, and so uh, with the collaboration of, of people like Bob and, and John and our local legislators who are all here, we have had an open dialogue with them about how it is that we can change uh, the, the current law to make it more efficient uh, for uh, the, the turning of these properties into uh, uh, financial gains for the local communities. Um, currently, the way that the system stands, the properties can be on, on the tax sale for both the commissioner uh, and the treasurer for year after year after year after year. And, that, and that's what the data uh, has showed of the approximately 9,200 properties that, that they were able to locate. Um, and, and working with John, we've, we've uh, drafted some legislation that we hope uh, will be taken up in the spring um, that will help streamline that. Uh, it will include that if a parcel uh, or a group of parcels is on um, uh, the treasurer sale and the tax sale for uh, two years, um, then at that point there can be a process started by which uh, the local units of government, um, in particular the Board of Commissioners, um, working with the local units of government can turn those uh, properties over, can obtain tax certificates sooner than what would have been done uh, before, so that those properties can then be uh, uh, turned over back to the communities um, for them to be developed. I think one of the important things uh, that everybody in the community should know is is that the Board of Commissioners or the, uh, uh, is really the vessel by which uh, tax money comes in through the tax sale. Uh, but Lake County derives a very small benefit from that, about 12%. 88% of any of the, the uh, tax proceeds that are recovered are returned back to the communities where those properties uh, are, are located. And so, like I said, the, the commissioner's office is the vessel by which we collect the money, but then we turn around and we give them 88% of that money back to the local communities so that it can be reinvested. And I've worked with uh, uh, Senator Rodney Pohl, uh, Representative Slager on this, um, and, and it's really an exciting time. I'm not going to bore you with all the details about what's in the legislation, um, but I, I think that if, if this does get through uh, in the springtime, uh, I think that you'll see a lot of these churner properties that uh, were referred to, um, that those will come off of uh, the tax sale and they'll be placed back on the tax rolls either through development um, or people purchasing them uh, and redeveloping those houses. So. So um, at, at this point, I'll just summarize very briefly. We took a very complicated issue and tried to um, present the highlights, right? So there's a series of actually eight different 
reports by the end of December. We've completed four with a fifth one about to come out and there's an enormous amount of data and analysis gone into that. But the, the real, the, mo the issue I think for, for um, the community, if we can think about it in the broadest perspective, is really what, what does this then mean for economic development currently? How is it affected? Uh, how has it been a barrier for economic redevelopment? And so I thought that um, we could start off with that question of our panelists. First, thank you, thank you everyone. And, and just ask them to speak a little bit more about the connection between the data that we have and the policy analysis that's being done and then ultimately the action that's going to take place to um, alleviate some of the difficulties that we are having with moving these properties into productive use in, in our um, in our communities and so I'm going to leave this open to the panel and then we're going to open this up to Q&A so that everybody in the audience will be able to interact with our with our panelists okay so does anybody want to want to start mm -hmm. so the question was uh, what do you see what's the connection between the project and potential opportunities for economic redevelopment in our in our region. If you want to speak from a data, since you're the our data expert, you have a good idea of what's out there and where it is. Maybe you could fill us in a little bit on where those parcels are, uh, Victoria. But the data is not pretty. That's not the attractive part, Dr. Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> but so vital. Right. It's important. It's essential, but it's necessary. But what we want to do is the song and dance afterwards when we came up with the reports. So, I'm going to say that um, that helped give the 20 units of government uh, more time to look at those parcels of, with this project. We were able to go out and meet, to, meet with them and to find out what they wanted, how can we help them uh, look up, find a way to look at these properties sooner and go ahead and submit what they want. They, they didn't have to go to that long meeting that they're normally going to. Um, right before the uh, commissioner's sale where they have to sit in that meeting for three to four hours and we shorten that process as well so i see the connection is this is going to help them return the parcels to a positive tax roll and uh, also that petition um, to the auditor that would be fantastic to help the uh, it's a petition to help get the taxes off of uh, those parcels yeah i think i think one of the things that matt brought up was you know the a county's obligation is to collect property taxes and really this is all in an effort to collect uh, property taxes it, a parcel that churns, so to speak is a parcel that never gets a dime of taxes collected from it so it's a it's a problem for county government in that you know we have an obligation to try as best we can to collect taxes it's a problem for all the units because if we don't do our job and we're having a difficulty difficult time doing our job in some of these areas then, then they're not reaping the, you know, the benefits of it. But it's also not a great thing. You know, the data will show, as, as you look at the reports, <coughs> data will show certain uh, municipalities have more or less in that community. And it's not necessarily because they're, they're, they're higher performing as, a, as an economic engine. Um, sometimes it's been, a, in a, been the focus of the, the municipalities to, to attack that as an issue. But if they're all held at the end of the day, the end use is most important. I mean, after brought that up, you know, from Hammond, we're talking about, 
you know, the end use. You gotta, you gotta have an end use because after all, the end use should be uh, something meaningful to the community. You know, taxes, property taxes are pretty meaningful to, I would think most, most people in this room that are involved in government or, or education would think that that's an important use. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't help us, doesn't help the community as a whole just to cobble these properties all together in one, you know, entity. It, it helps for us to identify them and learn them and get, uh, learn where they are and then, and then get a, a positive end use. Um, and that's where the economic drive will come from. And I would say from a legal perspective, uh, one of the, the, the great pieces of information that came out of the study was finding out uh, people that are the owners of these Churner properties um, that are then attempting to participate in future tax sales, um, whether it's in the treasurer's tax sale or whether it's in the commissioner's tax sale, uh, where they own parcels already and they're part of the problem as to why these taxes are not being collected. And so part of the legislation that we're working on is trying to identify uh, those individuals and exclude those individuals or prohibit them from being able to participate in future tax sales so that they're not just acquiring other parcels of property um, with the hopes that there's going to be a brand new warehouse going in next to the properties that they own and boom, they get an opportunity to cash in because now that this company wants to buy 10, 12, 20, 40 properties that they own in this particular area, and then they derive a huge benefit as a result of that. And so we're trying to exclude those individuals uh, from being able to participate and acquire parcels in the future. I just put like a finer point on that because people that do that and pay the taxes along the way, no problem. I mean, if you wanna, if you wanna speculate and you're paying your taxes, that's great. That's, you know, that's your right with your money. It's that speculation that's taking advantage of the system and not paying what what's due and what's owing uh, that's causing us a, a real uh, problem. Are there questions from the... Yeah, we're going to... Okay. Uh -oh. um, we'll take questions from the audience. So, um, Lee? Uh, is the legislation you're drafting going to be applicable uniquely to Lake County or all counties? Great question. It would be applicable to all counties uh, in, in the state of Indiana. Um, it's not, this is not a unique situation to Lake County. Um, obviously other counties such as that are more populous like Lake County, like St. Joe County, Allen County, Marion County. Uh, maybe maybe LaPorte. <laughs> they, they also face similar situations, so. Thank you. Yeah, I, I would say though also, we, we have had times uh, when we've been to the legislature with, with our issues where, where we've had a clearer path when we've said Lake County only. And so if that presents the clearest path, that, I mean, that, that'll be up to the legislators to decide what, what they do with it. Bob, I know you had a question. If we could just make sure we speak up so the whole room can hear. Bob, did you have a question? No, I'm okay. trying to keep my mouth shut. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, please. How long, for the people who aren't paying their taxes on these Turner properties, how long before they go back into a tax sale? I mean, how long can they sit on these properties that they purchase in a tax sale and turn around and not pay taxes on them? So the question is, how long can they sit uh, and not and, and have taxes not paid? And that's really the problem: is that really indefinitely, if if there's no decent, uh, if there's no bidder, and that's really the that's that's the part where we, we're, what causes the churn. That, but after they're purchased by a new bidder. If somebody purchase it, purchases the property, 
in the tax sale and then doesn't pay the taxes, does it revert back to, you know, what's the process for it reverting back to the county or to whatever municipality would own that property? Well, it, so right now it doesn't really it doesn't revert, revert. It doesn't revert back. So say that you own a piece, piece of property here in Lake County and, and you haven't paid taxes for three years. Um, it goes up on the treasurer's tax sale and somebody purchases it. Um, that, that person would then place it back on the tax roll, presumably, but now if they don't pay the taxes, then their taxes start to accumulate. So one of the major differences between the treasurer's tax sale and the commissioner's tax sale is the treasurer's tax sale, the minimum bid starts at uh, the taxes that are over. The treasurer or the commissioner's tax sale that begins with the $500 bid. Um, and so there's a lot more activity typically uh, in the commissioner's tax sale uh, because the parcels can be purchased at a, a significantly lower rate than what it would in the treasurer's tax sale. But if taxes aren't paid right now, they just continue to accumulate the taxes on the property. Um, and if they aren't sold at either the treasurer's or the tax sale, um, or they aren't donated to one of the municipalities where that property is in, um, it remains on, on the churner. And that, that, that's the whole issue with what we're trying to change in the legislation. Saw some other questions? Yes. Is there any personal liability for people or entities that buy the properties and don't pay the taxes? Personal liability for an entity or a person that, that doesn't pay the property taxes? I'd say yes, but. <laughs> right? What's the but, attorneys? But the but is, it's very difficult to collect that. Half of these people are out of state of Indiana, okay? 90 and of the ones in, in and around here, 90% of them are not in Lake County, okay? And the 10% that are left over, okay, most of them have been on there so long, okay, that when you go to look at them, they're either dead, okay, or you can't find them. So and, and there's also there's also some, uh, I think, you know, uh, strategy to some of these individuals uh, that are acting badly uh, in order to shield themselves from that liability whether it's the bankruptcy courts or you name it they, they, they and it will intentionally uh, do some of those things to kind of hide that personal liability so there is uh, but it's difficult to difficult to get at okay. Bob one of the questions I have one of the things I've seen looking at all of these things is I have seen instances when I have seen parcels I've seen parcels that have been on the churner was for a long time and then suddenly uh, they changed names of who owned them there was an ownership transfer uh, and one of the things I'm wondering is if there's any mechanism that's going to be included to prevent the transfer from one party to another I've seen it in some of them that are owned out of state and I think what's happening is somebody is like okay I'm putting this this deed up as collateral on a loan that you're making to me then they sign it over and what they've signed away is basically a tax liability in an empty lot. <clears throat> is there any way to you know to include the legislation, you know, kind of a prohibition against transferring ownership of tax delinquent parcels? Because I've seen it. I've seen I've seen parcels that were owned uh, and just five years ago, this parcel has been on the list for 10, 12 years, and five years ago it changed owners. Well nothing happened. You know, that, that person didn't come in and pay the back taxes. There's still $20,000 of back taxes due on it. 
It just has a different name that is obligated to pay it. Well, the, I mean, the taxes run with the land. So if I transfer a parcel to you uh, and the taxes are still there, the taxes are still owed. And so they would, they're, they're not going to alleviate the liability. Um, one of the things that we have found in the last several years is uh, some of the bad actors have attempted to shell themselves uh, with, with LLCs and things like that so that uh, it makes it more difficult for us to trace them. Um, and they still want to be able to participate in the tax sale. Uh, but uh, both the, the commissioner's office and the attorney for the auditor uh, has done a pretty good job, job of uh, being able to sort through all of that. Um, but I, I don't, I don't think we want any legislation that would wipe that out. Now, if if there is a mechanism right now, where if you find that uh, the, the parcel was transferred for the sole purpose uh, of having the taxes removed, so let's say. Uh, I give person A money to bid at the at the commissioner's tax sale, and they purchase it and they perfect it, and then then they're issued a deed, and then they deed it back to the to the original owner. There are ways to have that reversed. And and I think I I see the the problem um, and ag and agree with you. But as Matt said, the taxes if if we can address the the problem with the parcel. The actors will theoretically, you know, sh should go away because it's the parcel itself that that I think is the is the uh, uh, the best place to attack. I think, and I think when you, you talk about urban core, I, I think that's where specifically in Lake. There's probably others before Michigan City or whatever. Uh, where you've got so much crisscrossing traffic, that really uh, gums up the works in terms of having a, a solid tract of land that can be developed, and and the fact that you know uh, things have changed hands for so many uh, decades, you know that basically makes it more more of a challenge for us. The uh, construction. What is the process in terms of uh, like if, if you're going to build something big and Let's say they don't want it, they have this parcel that they've acquired through a tax sale in that particular area. What is there a process to remove them, uh, negotiate? I mean, well, <clears throat> I think for, uh, for our purposes, again, it's like you know, it, it that, that occurs, it occurs all over the world, probably. And if you're doing it, uh, in accordance with the law and paying your taxes and everything else, then, then you've got a different, uh, Remedy, or the developer may have a different remedy, or the municipality if it's a municipal project. Um, you know, civil court, let them go. You know, have have at it. But but for our purposes, it's you can't hold on to it. You can't have you can't have it both ways. You can't have it. You can't ha hold on to it uh, without paying your fair share, and then try and hold up a project or hold up something. You know, essentially holding on to that parcel when you shouldn't be, and that that that's the part that really uh, calls for some legislative fix. Or you know, I don't want to. I don't want to put so much pressure on the legislature either. It, it, it's it probably it probably at least identifies as one. If 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 it's not if there's not a fix there, that's probably as good a place as any to fix it. But it's not again. It's not the. It's not to take money out of a, a land speculator's pocket. It's only if they don't pay their fair share. If they're not paying their fair share, then that's that's a different story. What if they pay and it's still. 
they're the footprint of some major development that could take place. I'm just asking, is there? The, the, only, the only remedy would be to be bought out. And let's just face it, everybody has their dollar figure that, uh, that they're willing to accept to, to be bought out. Yeah. Representative Slager wanted to ask a yes. question. Uh, Representative Slager, please. Oh, I just I wanted a, a question and a, a comment. We have dealt every year with some kind of a bill that has to do with these tax delinquents or serial delinquents, they're sometimes called. Sometimes I feel like, and I'm sure the commissioners feel like the little Dutch boy trying to plug the hole in the dam because there always seems to be a new uh, mechanism with it. Uh, but I have to sell this to 99 other people in the house. And um, uh, to, the, to the question about uh, is this going to apply only to Lake County, we'll do this as a made provision. Now, rather than special legislation, any county can adopt what we're doing, but the, the legislative body will simply have to adopt that to move forward with it. So that's how we'll deal with that. But I do have a question. Several years ago, um, then Senator Lane Rogers last bill I carried in the House had to do with a pilot program to deal with some of this very issue um, where some of these serial delinquents were were involved with with hoarding this property and, and they're not able to do something with it. That I'm sure that pilot program has expired. You might, it's not no, it's not it's in existence. In fact one of the things in the new bill to add these uh, churners to your okay. serial delinquents. So I'm going to need some detail okay. on how that The city works. of Gary is the one where that detail should be coming from because they're the ones that the, okay. it was passed for. And one thing that I want to say, and this is what Commissioner Repay has, keeps emphasizing, okay? The county commissioners can't get this bill passed. It has to be supported by the units of government in that location, okay? And we re did receive from the city of Gary a letter from the mayor supporting the bill. What was the, what was the nuance with that legislation? I mean, I, I remember being there at one of the committee uh, okay, meetings. Okay, the nuance is basically this. Those okay? were obtained. Yeah, they're not going to force Porter County to adopt this. No, 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 oh, John, the, on the original legislation, the, uh, the pilot program, <laughs> yeah, what was the... It was the serial tax delinquencies, but what you had to do it had to fall into the category it was for sale for so many times you had to get title work to do it okay and then you had to sue them under this special statute okay okay and it's still in existence so we're going to ask you to add the turners to that list thank you i wish we had time for more questions i want to be respectful of everybody's time today um so many concluding thoughts right now um but i, I want to share just a few key points first of all um, it comes down to the data we're able to have this conversation because we were able to work together to get to the point where we can take a look and see what was happening in the county secondly the the conversation over solutions has focused primarily at the state level and legislative um, actions that could take place but we actually had meetings with experts in the area who talked about 
possible solutions at the county level, process solutions, and then even at the local political unit level. Just want to emphasize what John has said earlier, which is it's going to take all of us to be able to solve this problem. It's not state, it's not county, it's not just the local units, it's everybody and the university who's going to continue to contribute to that. Every single community has met with us and or identified properties that they wish to move forward with. We, we have shared the findings. I have to thank our uh, the media, the Times and the Post Tribune for doing that. Um, we're going to be continuing our conversations. On your card there is a, a QR code on the back side. And so the, the, the reports are there. You can go back to the QR code as the reports are coming out. You'll be able to get access to them. So some light reading, I don't know if you love data. And you got about five, six, seven hours, you know, take a moment and do that. Um, we're going to continue our work. We're going to move forward. And um, we thank you for sharing your afternoon with us today. Thank you. And you were listening to the Indiana University Northwest Chancellor's Commission that was held Wednesday on the campus. Once again, the topic was identifying barriers to economic redevelopment, university community collaboration. And you're listening to Regionally Speaking on listener-supported Lakeshore Public Radio. And that's it for Regionally Speaking for today and this week. We'll be back with you on Monday.